Michael Reed on LMFM. Friday morning, the 23rd of August. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The French president met with the British Prime Minister in Paris yesterday saying he won't be persuaded to change his position in Brexit talks with Boris Johnson. Emmanuel Macron warned renegotiation was not an option that exists, adding that Britain would become the junior partner of the United States after a no-deal Brexit. Can the cost for Britain of a hard Brexit, because Britain, he said, will be the main victim, be offset by the United States of America? No, Mr Macron said, and even if it were a strategic choice, it would be at the cost of a historic vassalisation of Britain. The Irish Stop, the French president said, is not simply a number of technical constraints but vital guarantees for the preservation of stability in Ireland and the integrity of the single market, which is the basis of the European project. In what was clearly a slapdown for Boris Johnson, Mr Macron asked Mr Johnson if he had taken into account the risk of reigniting the conflict in Northern Ireland. He said there are still families whose Children, brothers and sisters died in this conflict. To think of reviving that because it suits us would be irresponsible. I consider that Irish peace is European peace. We must not allow it to be threatened by a political and institutional crisis in Britain. Mr Macron also said that reunification of Ireland and integration of the entire Ireland into the European Union would solve all of the problems. But of course, that's not up to France. Let's talk about all of this with the leader of AIM2 and Mead West TD, Pater Tobin, who's on the line. A very good morning to you, Pater Tobin, and thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. Boris Johnson uh, infamously said yesterday, where there's a will, there's a way. But I, I don't think he was referring to the reunification of Ireland. No, unfortunately. Um, but interestingly enough, if you look at polls, that are carried out uh, of Tory party supporters and members uh, in Britain. And when they're asked to prioritise uh, whether they want to leave uh, the European Union or whether they want to maintain the union between uh, Britain and the north of Ireland, uh, the Tory party members themselves will prioritise Brexit uh, first uh, and put the union uh, second, mm. which is an interesting... And uh, when they right. get the numbers, they'll sell the DUP out. Uh, I mean, I think that's a fairly credible theory, isn't it? And they'll yeah. agree to an Irish backstop. So, the, in, in other words, right through the history of Ireland, there has been the orange card played by uh, parties in London for their own political purposes uh, in Westminster. But uh, as the Unionists in the North often find out, um, you know, when they're when their use is no longer necessary in those negotiations in, in, in Westminster, uh, the unionists often get dropped by the Tory parties. Uh, you mentioned that, that, that at the outcome of, of at the, um, mm. the programme that um, Merkel and uh, Macron had, I suppose, slammed the door really on Johnson with regards to um, the, the withdrawal agreement and the backstop. Um, my analysis will be slightly different than that, uh, to be honest. Um, I... If you go back to July, Chancellor Merkel said, and she said that there's absolutely no way that the EU will renegotiate the withdrawal agreement. Uh, and that has been the, the, the mantra coming out of the EU for months and months and months. But if you look at the, the meetings that have happened over the last uh, 48 hours, mm. uh, both Macron and Merkel have said that they will listen to proposals to change the withdrawal agreement. Now, 
uh, that's a slightly different perspective uh, and it opens the door to a potential change. Now, okay, you sound like a British journalist, but go on. Well, I'm, I'm, this is actually reported <laughs> in the Irish Times, uh, this mm. uh, particular line. Now, it, it is Well, I mean, it's correct, but, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, they're saying if you can tell us how to do the impossible, uh, we'll look at it. But up to this point, it's proved to be impossible to find a solution to the Irish border other than the backstop. Well, there, I, I'm cautious of the EU. and I'll, I'll tell you why, because just over a few, uh, eight or nine years ago, we had a really negative experience with the EU. And in my when we had the economic crash, mm. the EU forced us to bail out much of the European banking system. We were 40% of the population, uh, sorry, we were 1% of the population, but we bailed out 40% of the banking crisis in Europe. So I know there's a, there's a real politique in Europe which mm. looks after the needs of the, the large countries in Europe. And I know that the reason why the EU are, are obviously on our side in this argument is not because they feel this sense of solidarity uh, for Ireland, in my view, it's because, one, they want to protect the single market, two, they want to stop Brexit, and three, they want to send a very strong message to any other European country that's seeking to leave uh, the, the European mm. Union that Brexit is, or that exiting it is virtually impossible. So uh, w- w- all I'm saying is that as a country, we need mm. to be thankful that we're on the same side as the ma- major European blocs at the moment on this really important question. But we need to be watching eagle-eyed to make sure that there, there isn't a subtle change in the approach. Okay, the well, European the United historic States. context of what you were talking about there was uh, the collapse of uh, the Irish economy and uh, the bailout of uh, the Troika, which was made up of uh, three parts, uh, the IMF, uh, the International Monetary Fund, the European Commission and the European Union. The IMF said that we should have been able to burn the bondholders so that we wouldn't have ended up uh, in €64 billion euro worth of debt. Uh, and Europe said no to that on every occasion. And when the Minister for Finance, Michael Noonan, was about to go into the Dáil and tell TDs that he was going to burn the bondholders, about an hour before he made his speech, he got a call from the President of the European uh, Commission, wasn't it? Um, Jean-Claude Trichet. Uh, I recollect, yes. uh, who said that a bomb would go off in uh, the financial centre of Dublin. Yeah, so, so in other words, the IMF, which are historically seen as a very hard line uh, when dealing with countries in, in, in great difficulties, they were far uh, more uh, open to Ireland's needs in that really difficult economic time. And the European Union forced Ireland to bail out the banks in the manner that it did. It, it forced a taxpayer bailout of the banks. Now, very shortly after Ireland went through that horrendous situation and expended that 64 billion euros, uh, we saw Cyprus uh, receive a different treatment from the European Union where they were able to bail in. So in other words, in Cyprus, the, um, the, the bondholders and the account holders over a certain level had to pay for the bulk of their economic crisis there. So all I'm saying is mm. that in, in the great swathe of international politics, there's very little decisions that are made out of sympathy or solidarity. Decisions are made on the hard needs and objectives of individual countries. And in this scenario as well, it happens that our needs are aligned to the European Union's needs currently. But what I'm saying is that we shouldn't I fall into a false sense of security. And if there is a change in the language being used by the European Union, we need to be aware to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's definitely, you know, for, for months, the European Union have said absolutely no change to the withdrawal agreement. And this week, Merkel and Macron have said they're willing to listen to proposals to change the withdrawal agreement. The caveat to that, as you mentioned yourself, is 
that that change yeah. has to be at least equal to the backstop. Mm. Um, but it does leave space for negotiations. And when negotiations happen, things change. That's the purpose for negotiations. Okay, but I, I mean, that's diplomacy, isn't it? Uh, it? It wouldn't be very pragmatic of them had they said otherwise and uh, given no option to the Prime Minister. And the Prime Minister has said, okay, well, it's up to us to come back with the proposals. It, it, it may be the case that uh, you know, all the countries are saying, well, let's listen and look at least a little mm. bit uh, productive and uh, helpful in the situation. And then when obviously Johnson doesn't come up with the goods with something that equates to the backstop, then we can actually be strong mm. and say, listen, we tried, we were flexible. Well, I mean, there's two proposals already. Uh, on the basis that Northern Ireland remains a part of the United Kingdom, there's two possibilities, and both of them are a backstop. One of them is a Northern Ireland backstop, and the other is a UK-wide backstop. So I suppose they're saying, well, if you can come up with a third proposal, well, let's hear it. Yeah, in, in my view, there isn't a third proposal. Mm, no, the, well, north, it's the North of Ireland backstop is actually the only result here uh, that would actually resolve the desires of the Tories uh, in London and also make sure that we have the integrity of the single market and uh, the, the, the North of our, uh, mm. the, the All Ireland economy. But the UK wide proposal was to appease the unionists because they didn't want to be treated any differently than the rest of the United Kingdom. For sure. The DUP, mm. which is a, has a minority mm. view in the North and all of this, Never mind a minority view in, in, in Ireland in all of this, uh, forced the Tories into uh, a, a, a Britain and North of Ireland wide uh, backstop. Can I just say one thing in this? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, we often get stuck, I suppose, in Ireland in analysing the, the, uh, the strange decisions and, and machinations of the Tories in London. There are things that can be done by the Irish government that they are absolutely not doing at the moment. There are actions that we can take. Now, I, what I've been uh, asking and what Aintu has been asking is that the government prioritise and invest in the drivers of the All-Ireland economy. So we know there's a threat to the All-Ireland economy, so let's try to mitigate that threat. And one of the ways you can do that is by investing in communications and transport infrastructure. The A5, the Derry to Dublin Road there is a good example of this. Yet just recently, uh, Fine Gael actually reversed its mm. investment in the A5 and took money out of it. Intertrade Ireland, I listened to your show there yesterday, and Intertrade Ireland rightly was being lauded for the efforts that they're making with regards to trying to help small businesses deal with uh, Brexit. Mm. But the truth of the matter is, Intertrade Ireland has a cap on its development. It has a ceiling on its staff numbers and the amount of money that it can spend. And logic would dictate at this time that you would uh, see the work that Intertrade Ireland is doing, remove that cap and start to give it uh, real influence in helping small businesses Mm. Uh, mitigate against this. You know, creating a, a border economic zone, building stronger ties along the, the universities across the uh, island of Ireland, creating an all-Ireland retail council. These are all practical things that aim to want to see the government actually doing, rather than just sitting on the sidelines and talking about what uh, the British should or should not be doing. And then when you get to the actual Good Friday Agreement, um, it is an outcome of all of this that the Good Friday Agreement, in my view, is corroding in front of our very eyes. What do you think of hearing Macron say yesterday that the French opinion on the solution is to reunite Ireland? I think that, first of all, it is phenomenal language for a French uh, Premier uh, to be uh, using in such a situation. Um, Because you mentioned the, the diplomacy of leaders and it is very unusual for a leader of another country to step into that space uh, 
literally in front of a British Prime Minister. Even though he said it's not up to France, uh, I mean, that's just trying to water down that very strong statement, but it's still that very strong statement, isn't it? It is a very strong statement. And Macron is right. Uh, It is absolutely unbelievable that 100 years uh, after the 1916 rising and and the struggle for independence and self-determination, that we on the island of Ireland are still being uh, determined via London with regards to what will happen here, that our ability to move people, product and services on the island of Ireland is determined by Boris Johnson, who who knows nothing about this country and cares even less about this country. Self-determination on a 32-county basis is an economic necessity. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you could also argue that and say that Boris Johnson has been told what to do by Arlene Foster. <laughs> Boris Johnson, unfortunately, uh, is obviously in, uh, in, the, in hock to Arlene Foster mm. at the moment. Boris but Johnson and Theresa May before him would have put an Irish back in this, place if it wasn't well, for Arlene Foster. This is important, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I've, I've yeah. said this from the very start. The only way that they're actually going to be able to get a deal through Westminster, now we're talking about the negotiations here on an international level, all of this still has to go through Westminster. The only way that any solution will get through Westminster is that if the the Tory party leader has the guts and the backbone to start to sit down with like-minded people within the Labour Party uh, and and, uh, any others that exist in uh, Westminster, and get a majority for that deal. There's going to have to be cross-party uh, work to get any deal uh, through Westminster anyway, because all of the parties are individually fractured. Or a different uh, reconfiguration, so. that they go to the polls, have an election, and come back with some sort of working majority, where that's a, a Conservative majority or a majority uh, made up uh, from a, a coalition of other parties. That is another option. Um, I would say that a lot of the, given the crisis that the, that the Tories are in and given the crisis that Britain is in, I would say many of the MPs will be cautious about going to the polls in that scenario. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the point that Macron made, the, you know, the solution to a hard border is mm-hmm. no border, is a valid point. And, you know, the government needs to sit down, invite all of the different political hues and views right across the north uh, and south of Ireland create a new Ireland form mm. where we can actually start to, to work out how do, we, how do we, in partnership, deal with the problems that Brexit is throwing up and deal with the problems uh, of partition. And, and, and the, the problems that it's throwing up already uh, in terms of the peace process are reflected by shots being fired over a coffin a couple of days ago, somebody being kneecapped and bombs going off for that matter. Absolutely. Like, in real time, we are watching the corrosion of the peace process here at the moment. Uh, a peace process that you and I and many of your listeners would have seen painstakingly over generations and decades being put together. Um, and there is no doubt, if you introduce a, 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 a no-deal Brexit, that means there will be a hard border. If there's a hard border, there will be a physical border. And if there's a physical border, it will become a target. There's absolutely no doubt that that mm. sequence of events will happen. And I think we're starting to see the early stages of that. So it's, and, and, and for me, the frus- I've, I'm frustrated because I hear Simon Covey talk about the necessity to get the institutions of the Good Friday Agreement working again. But all I see is political parties in the North you know, waltzing uh, around these talks uh, over and over and over again. And what I would say to the Irish government is, you know, take this 
uh, issue, uh, take the bull by the horns in this particular issue, starts to force the political parties into a, a decision in the north of Ireland. And one of the ways you can do that is by seeking to introduce joint authority. The benefits of joint authority is you will be selecting ministers. Ministers will be in their departments making decisions on real economic and social issues that are affecting the people of North of Ireland. And secondly, the DUP will not want to see joint authority. It will be a nightmare for the DUP. And I believe it would help motivate the DUP fulfil their responsibilities and get back into the executive in the North of Ireland. Okay, I I think... Uh, you'd agree with me that if enthusiasm was uh, uh, credibility, uh, that Boris uh, has proved so far to be an inspirational prime minister. Uh, but that enthusiasm may wane over the weekend. So far, he's been told no uh, to leaving uh, with a deal without a backstop. Uh, for Northern Ireland, however that would take place. He's been told no, he's been told nine, he's been told none. And over the weekend, he'll meet many of uh, the European leaders at uh, the G7 conference, and this will give him some food for thought and pause for thought. Uh, Do you think uh, this could prove to be a very important weekend in terms of where we're going from here? I think from the the Tories' perspective and the British perspective, um, they have managed to move the European establishment from absolutely no negotiation to the withdrawal agreement to creating a potential chink of light, a potential opening for negotiations. And uh, now, I'm not sure and I don't think that that negotiation is is actually going to uh, change very, very much. But the point of the matter is, at least from Boris's perspective, he has achieved more than Theresa May did uh, in her time. And, um, you know, he'll take that as a win, but the clock is moving very fast in this. There's only 30 days, according to to Merkel uh, for change. So any any benefit or buoyancy that um, that Boris feels at the moment mm. is uh, you know is going to be short lived at the very least. Okay, we we'll leave it there for the moment. Many thanks for joining us uh, here on the program uh, this morning. Peter Tobin is the leader of the Ain Two Party and a TD for Meath West. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM.